From the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce, I'm Jeremy Henderson. And I'm Christy Gillenwater, and this is Chattanooga Works. Where are you going to be on October 22nd through the 26th? You've got some choices. Startup Week Chattanooga is a celebration of Chattanooga's entrepreneurial spirit and the community that makes it flourish. It's a week jam-packed with events, so it can be a little overwhelming to keep up with. We're here to help. Today, we'll be talking with the people behind some of the most exciting things happening during Startup Week, starting with Marcus Shaw, CEO of CoLab, who's organizing this year's event. Welcome, Marcus. Jeremy, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being here. Uh, it's an exciting week. Um, it's got a lot of stuff going on. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Startup Week is and, it, and its history? So Startup Week is actually my favorite time of year in Chattanooga. October's incredibly busy with the gala season and a ton of events from great organizations all over the region. Um, but Startup Week is really an opportunity for us to celebrate makers, innovators, entrepreneurs that live right beside us. We buy their products and services every day. And we learn how to be like them. We learn how to understand all of the things that get them to where they are, the, the ups, the downs, and the ways that they make their business work. Awesome. And how does uh, Colab fit into all of that? So this year, which is the fifth year of Startup Week, Colab has uh, been an organization that's been charged uh, with the duty of running logistics and promotion for Startup Week. And so the organization is is incredibly happy to be able to serve the community um, by leading this event this year. That's great. There are a lot of events happening during Startup Week. What are What are some of the big ones you're looking forward to? One of the key events that I think is going to be really important to the people of Chattanooga is a public session talking about the Opportunity Zones. Uh, this is really important to innovators and to people living in certain census tracts where we are in the midst of a federal regulation that will incent investment in those areas. So that will be important to entrepreneurs and residents and people with capital gains that are looking to make investments in high-impact areas. Other events that I think will be really cool and important to the public are events that celebrate um, our people and places. And so we had Bruce Katz from the Brookings Institute uh, down in Chattanooga earlier in the year talking about new localism and what it meant to have strong people in strong places in an innovative economy. And so the Smart City Collaborative panel is one that's going to highlight work being done uh, by a number of institutions here in Chattanooga. The Smart City Collaborative includes Erlanger, UTC, CoLab, the Enterprise Center, Hamilton County, the City of Chattanooga, and uh, several other organizations here that really act as commons for, for our innovation economy here in Chattanooga. And we're going to be talking about a lot of the work that we're doing to leverage the ecosystem that we have here, not just with the gig, but also with the research facilities and institutional facilities and bringing people to the forefront of an innovation economy. That's important because none of this works if we don't have the people to run it. That's right. That's absolutely right. Also, probably one of my favorite is Will This Float? This has been a staple and an anchor for Startup Week for the previous four years. This is an opportunity where local entrepreneurs really put together ideas for the first time in front of the public. And this year, we're doing something really special. We're joining this with our Kiva initiative. Uh, Chattanooga has recently become a Kiva city, and CoLab is leading that effort for the city as well. And so we'll have a number of Kiva 
uh, companies or companies that are looking to raise funds on Kiva be a part of Will This Float. Awesome. Um, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, yep. but could you give us just a, a brief explanation of what Kiva is? So Kiva is a crowdfunding platform that allows entrepreneurs that oftentimes are from underbanked or underserved communities um, promote and raise capital for their entrepreneurial endeavors, for their business ventures. Um, these are amounts anywhere from zero up to $10,000. And it really helps companies work uh, through alternative financing models in order to raise capital for their business. Okay. And so will this float will be kind of centered around Kiva this year? Right. Companies that are participating in the Kiva program. Excellent. It's a good opportunity here probably to mention that also during Startup Week, uh, the Chamber has our Spirit of Innovation Awards, yep. uh, where we kind of honor some of the, the best and brightest uh, people who are coming up really working on the forefront, coming up with innovations, uh, things that we're going to see coming down the pipe uh, in the years to come. Um, and that happens October 24th, kind of in the middle of Startup yep. Week, um, along with a lot of other stuff going on. So is, is there anything else directly related to Startup Week that you want to call out specifically? Yeah, I think uh, we will have a couple of sessions during the week focused on industries where I think Chattanooga has a really competitive advantage. Um, one of them that I'm excited about is uh, a panel that we're having called A Prescription for Innovation, The Future of Healthcare in Chattanooga. And this is a really cool opportunity um, where Unum and Erlanger's partners of CoLab will be sitting down to have conversations about what healthcare innovators are doing in this region. I think that's particularly exciting because other cities across the state, like Nashville and Memphis, have really developed a strong reputation, um, and appropriately so, for furthering healthcare innovation. But right here in our backyard, we've got the seventh largest public hospital system in the country. We've got the largest disability insurance in the globe, and we have the largest health insurance provider in the state. And those are within four miles of each other. So we've got a powerhouse of our own right here in Chattanooga. That's amazing, and something that I think a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So Startup Week covers a lot of different topics, um, all sort of focused on entrepreneurs in some way or another. Who, who would you say the week is for in particular? So quite honestly, Jeremy, the week's for everybody, and that's by design. Um, it is for accomplished entrepreneurs that are looking to network with customers, with sources of capital, um, with talent that may want to work for that organization. It's for people that are working in legacy companies, you know, that are working at, for a W-2 and go to a job that want to find out, how can I employ an entrepreneurial mindset, right, a growth mindset in what I do every day? I think you've done, you're a perfect example of this at the Chamber, that you've been incredibly entrepreneurial and innovative in just thinking about this podcast, right? And so I think we all owe it to ourselves to think about how do we grow and improve ourselves as human beings, and entrepreneurs are the best use case for that. Um, one thing that I will want to highlight also that we are putting a special attention around bringing the student population um, from the local universities into Startup Week. One event that we're having actually during the week is a student and startups career edition where we have a number of interns and young graduates, the recent graduates from local universities that are working with startups or working in the startup ecosystem at places like Golab, come together and talk about what's the path for success if you wanna build a career in entrepreneurship and what's the bar to be successful? Um, and so that, again, is an example of how we're reaching out to everybody in the community to share in this experience. It's kind of bringing the next generation along. Absolutely. Awesome. 
Um, where can people go to find out what's going on? So if you want to find out, um, you can go to Colab's website, and you can go to colab.co backslash Startup Week Cha. There are a lot of other sort of anchor events happening during the week. Can you speak about what some of those are? So obviously we talked about the Spirit of Innovation Awards on Wednesday, the Chamber's you know, large gala in celebrating uh, startup entrepreneurship. We have Will This Float. Um, we have the Startup Awards, which I believe is Thursday evening. And then we have an incredible parade on Friday, which is a capstone and a really family-friendly event um, for Startup Week. Something we're doing new this year, which I think is going to be really fun, is start the event off on Saturday the 20th with the Mini Maker Fair. And so that is an event that's not technically part of Startup Week, but we believe gets families and young kids um, really involved in thinking about the maker mentality, which is critical to being an entrepreneur. Awesome. I know in the past um, there have been some podcasting events or workshops around Startup Week as well. Are, are we looking forward to some of those this year too? Yeah, I think there are some opportunities working with the library where folks will have um, – the, the opportunity to come to the library to learn how to produce a radio show or a podcast. Yeah, if you're interested in this, think you want to try it yourself, um, or any of these things, there are a lot of opportunities to learn how to get engaged, how, as Marcus said, to get into that uh, entrepreneurial mindset and take it to whatever your job is, whether it's you know in a big company or at a small startup. The week's for everybody. So I think we'll we'll stop there. And when we come back after the break, we will have our next guest uh, with one of our one of the anchor events happening that week, the Elixir Conference. Located in Chattanooga's Innovation District. Center Center is the user experience design school that offers a one-of-a-kind, two-year, full-time on-site design program. Go to UIE.com and check out Center Center's other tools, like UIE's All You Can Learn Library, where you can get the very best knowledge from design experts when you need it, where you want it. It's like having every leading design expert on your team, guiding you to the best practices and techniques. By visiting UIE.com, you'll learn how you can develop expertise, design for delight, and drive your organization. Learn how you can deliver better design in your organization with all of the tools available from Center Center at UIE.com. Elixir is quickly becoming one of the most popular programming languages out there. Our next guest is here to tell us about the Gig City Elixir Conference and why this language is so exciting. Please welcome Brett Weiss, co-organizer of the Gig City Elixir Conference. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly Elixir is? Sure. Elixir is a programming language. It's uh, been around since about 2011. Um, I actually went back today and looked at uh, the first commit on that, and it was made on January 9th, 2011, is when Jose Valim, the language's creator, wrote that first bit of code. Wow, so as, as programming languages go, it's been around the block. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's relatively young compared to a lot of other languages, right? Um, so, but it, it, it sort of builds on um, 
the success and research and technology of another language called Erlang. And Erlang's been around for quite a bit longer. It was developed at Ericsson starting in the 80s to deal with telephone, like switching networks, telecom. They developed a, a virtual machine uh, for this. It's called the Beam. And Elixir is a compiled language. So you, you write your code and then it gets compiled down and it targets the Erlang virtual machine. Okay. So that's kind of a high-level overview. Are, are there particular things that Elixir gets used for? So one of the early success stories and one of the uh, earlier places that it was adopted was at a company called Bleacher Report, which I'm sure a lot of folks have heard about. It's uh, sports news. And they were looking uh, into how they could best scale the, the service, and they landed on Elixir. Um, one of the reasons it's, it's Elixir has been successful and growing as it has is because it, it really provides real business value. So Bleacher Report was able to rewrite their big monolith app and go from 150 servers down to five. It brings a lot of efficiency that other languages uh, cannot or might struggle to. Um, you just basically get it out of the box because of the way that the language is built and the technology around it. So, yeah. So are you, I assume you're a programmer yourself? I am, yeah. Okay. I, I work for a company called I Can Make It Better. I, I write Elixir there as part of the day job. And I, I describe it as a software-enabled market research firm. So we build survey software that market researchers use to do quantitative market research. What made you decide that uh, decide to build a conference specifically around Elixir? So basically we're... We're really passionate about the language. Chattanooga's uh, uniquely positioned, not only geographically, but culturally. We're in between a lot of the major metropolitan areas, Nashville, Knoxville, Atlanta, um, two hours away or less for all of those. So it's, it's a great little spot in the southeast to, to hold a conference, and Chattanooga has a lot of great venues and not only that, but we kind of have quite a bit of talent here in terms of Elixir. It definitely punches above its weight, not only in terms of, of sort of people that are here doing stuff in Elixir and the Elixir community. Um, really? But also uh, elsewhere. Yeah. I don't think most people know that. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't. Um, most of the folks that, that are here doing stuff, going around to conferences and, and writing about it and hosting podcasts and stuff like that are, you know, work for companies outside of the city and that kind of thing. Sure. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the conference itself? Um, what should people expect? Sure. Um, so the conference is, although it has the, the word elixir in it, it's, it's really sort of more general than that. The conference has been designed to appeal to people that maybe don't work in elixir or even functional programming languages day to day. A lot of the programming is geared towards folks that maybe have some familiarity or interest in it, but uh, haven't had a chance to really dive in. And so what you'll get is uh, talks about sort of the origins and foundations of uh, functional programming. And then uh, even if you don't have any plans to even work in maybe a functional language like Elixir, uh, there will be things that you learn at the conference that you can take back in your day-to-day -day work in maybe an object-oriented programming language, for example. And, uh, and, and be a better programmer that way. Okay. But the conference is generally for programmers then. Right. Okay. So for those of us who went to art school, uh, functional programming versus object-oriented programming, it, 
this would be of primary interest to people who work in a language. Yeah, I mean, so uh, absolutely, that, that's true. Um, <laughs> so a, a really a big part of the reason that we're doing this, perhaps the, the primary reason, is that we're running a, a scholarship program. We're really passionate about making the Elixir community and programming in general um, less of a monoculture. If you've ever been to a programming conference or a meetup, you can look around and just see, it. generally speaking, it's a lot of white dudes. And, uh, we're passionate about uh, making that less so because uh, we think it's important. And so in order to put our money where our mouth is, we're running a scholarship program. Um, a lot of the money that's been raised through our sponsors is going to that, and we're funding uh, full scholarships for folks that are underrepresented in the programming community at large and Elixir in uh, in the specific, in order to make sure that these folks, because they come from a range of backgrounds and experience, um, are prepared when they come into the conference. Um, we're actually running a, a regular mentoring program uh, where we teach and just help folks to, to learn the language so that they're ready and prepared when they come in to the actual conference. That's great um, and very commendable. Uh, you mentioned that... Uh there, there seem to be a lot of people presenting here, a lot of, a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, what kind of folks should people be prepared to hear from if they go to the conference? Right. So uh, it's, two, it's a two-day conference. It's a uh, single track. We have uh, Chris McCord coming, who's uh, the creator of sort of the uh, framework in Elixir. We have Dave Thomas, who has been influential in bringing Elixir exposure and then also a, a language that a lot of people come from Ruby to Elixir. So we have a lot of Ruby programmers and Dave was um, really influential in kind of discovering Ruby and getting people talking about it here in the U.S. We have John Hughes, who's an incredibly well-respected researcher. He was on the design committee that uh, helped design the Haskell programming language. Not the director. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, definitely you get a range of, of folks uh, from different areas and backgrounds talking about why um, functional programming is important and uh, what you can learn and take from it, even if you're not working in that area. Okay. Where do people go to find out more? Uh, GigCityElixir.com. Okay, and it's on October 26th? That's right, October right. 26th and 27. Tickets are selling quick. Um, if you want one, you probably should try to get it sooner rather than later. It's looking like we're probably going to sell out, so um, yeah. So get on it. Get on it. <laughs> we'll have more from our next event when we come back right after this. Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Our next guest is Meredith Levine, head of youth services and manager of the fourth floor of the downtown Chattanooga Public Library. Meredith is here to tell us about the Maker Fair, which is taking place Saturday, October 20th. Welcome, Meredith. How are you? Good. 
Can you tell us a little bit about what the Maker Fair is? Yeah, so the Maker Fair is a celebration of makers, and that's all kind of makers. Um, so it's you know it's not just a craft fair, it's not just a tech fair, it's a combination of everyone. So that's um, it's it's really it's a it's a celebration, um, and it brings the public in um, to check out the makers in town in their region. Um, so that you know can include robots, it can include people who sew, people who make soaps, um, people who cook. Um, um, and then, you know, you get the high tech stuff too. Um, and it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a party for makers. Um, and it's something that, um, exists all over the world. Um, the big maker fair is in New York city and, uh, that's the world maker fair. Wow. And they have many maker fairs that are around, um, around the world. And, and Chattanooga is a city that, um, has a mini maker fair and it makes sense that Chattanooga would have a maker fair, um, considering how creative the city is. Um, and hopefully, you know, when people come to the Maker Fair, they also get inspired to make on their own. So anything, anything I want to make, even if I make a mean gingerbread cookie, say, yeah. does that count? Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, and what we encourage, you know, even people who are, you know, making food um, is, is sharing, you know, they're, they're, maybe they don't want to share the recipe, but maybe sharing their recipe <laughs> or, um, you know, different ways that you can think of a gingerbread cookie. Um, but definitely expect them to share the food. Yes. Yeah. And then we get to eat the food too. <laughs> what are some of the things uh, that you know are going to be there this year? Yeah. Uh, we are getting a really diverse group of makers who are coming in. Um, some of the, the things that I can think of off the top of my head, um, Kate Warren from Art 120 is bringing an art car and it's going to be a Rolling Stones art car. Um, if you've never heard of an art car, you should come to Maker Fair and check it out. Uh, it's going to be right out on the plaza at the library. And if you just think of art car, you can imagine what that looks like, but it's going to exceed your imagination. Um, wow. We're going to have um, arcades, one that was actually um, made by students at UTC. Um, we're going to have the Droid Builders Club. Uh, so if you're into Star Wars, R2-D2 is definitely going to be around the library. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Creative Discovery will be here and other things I can think of. There's um, somebody coming who makes um, edible chocolate flowers, which will be cool. Um, wow. And uh, Art Dev will be there. So that's combining coding and art. Um, and those are just some things I can think of off the top of my head. And I think there's some other people selling, um, like homemade salt, salt lamps. Um, and yeah, I think there's some people selling jewelry. So it's a, it's a good mix of people. Wow. So just to go back, just to go back to one of those, uh, droid builders. Yeah. Like functional robots? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And if you haven't seen these before, it's um, it's pretty mind-blowing because you're, you're in Star Wars. Wow. Because um, they look and act and sound, um, you know, like the real droids. Okay. It's really cool. So the Chattanooga Public Library has a lot of really incredible resources that I think people don't tend to know about, including the fourth floor, for example. Can yeah. Can you speak a little bit about what that is sure and and that's one of the one of the reasons when we got with collab um on on co-hosting maker fair this year was to really showcase off the the fourth floor um for makers and creatives and entrepreneurs in this community because they don't know it's there um so it's you know free and accessible to everybody in this city um and we have everything from 3d printing and a laser cutter and a cnc router but also a photography studio and a floor loom and sewing machines um so people can come in and to access all of that it's free um, the only thing you actually pay for is the materials. Um, so we get a lot of businesses who come in and they'll make their, you know, 
decals for their windows with their store hours or like a restroom sign and it only costs them 30 cents a foot for the vinyl um so it's a it's a really easy way into um into making um and it's a good place for people to explore machines that they never did before um and it's it's a really good resource and it's it's very cost efficient for for creatives to use sure Need a library card? You need a library card for the consumables. Um, so if you need to use the 3D printer, the vinyl plotter, um, we end up charging the stuff on your library card. Um, but like the laser cutter and stuff like that, you just bring in your own materials. And, you know, we encourage everyone to have a card. But if you don't have a card, you can still use the space. We always try to, you know, please everyone. So, so will people be actively making things at the Maker Faire? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so some we're hands on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, the workshops, we have some hands on booths. So people um, get to actually interact um, with some of the makers and they get to walk away with something. And we will have the fourth floor active that day as well. So people can go ahead and test out the stuff that's up there. Okay. So there will be workshops so you can learn how to make a thing, not just people showing off the things they make. Yeah. Which makes Maker Faire really cool. If I'm interested in Maker Faire um, and I want to show off some of my stuff or learn how to make something, how would I learn more information. Yeah, so every year uh, prior to Maker Fair, we have a call for makers, which is a mask ask, mass ask of people, um, you know, to to apply. Uh, so you know, you can find that information by getting on um, our email list or just following Chattanooga Mini Maker Fair on Facebook. Uh, follow CoLab on Facebook, and we'll let you know when it's open. And uh, the website is chattanooga.makerfair.com, so that'll stay the same. Um, so as we get close to next year, just get on there and apply. And we encourage everyone to apply, um, even if you've never had a booth before or you think your idea is crazy and doesn't fit in. Um, it probably does. So uh, yeah, just you know, follow us on social, and then we'll we'll get you get you in for next year i think that'll do it for us for now thank you for being here thank you and hopefully we'll see everybody at maker fair absolutely come down um get some food perhaps and see some robots when we come back we're going to be talking with our final guest uh with an anchor event during startup week we'll see you then Located in Chattanooga's Innovation District, Center Center is the user experience design school that offers a one-of-a-kind, two-year, full-time on-site design program. Go to UIE.com and check out Center Center's other tools, like UIE's All You Can Learn Library, where you can get the very best knowledge from design experts when you need it, where you want it. It's like having every leading design expert on your team, guiding you to the best practices and techniques. By visiting UIE.com, you'll learn how you can develop expertise, design for delight, and drive your organization. Learn how you can deliver better design in your organization with all of the tools available from Center Center at UIE.com. I'm joined by Katie Hendricks, the Kiva lead at CoLab. Welcome, Katie. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what Kiva is? Yes. Kiva is an international nonprofit founded in 2005 and based in San Francisco. Um, their mission is to connect people in communities by alleviating poverty through lending, through loans. Um, and one of the ways that the main way that they do that is by crowdfunding loans. 
Um, and so what I mean by crowdfunding is it gives an opportunity for people all around the world to see these loans on their Kiva online platform and give to them. Um, so they work specifically with entrepreneur, entrepreneurs to provide them capital that they might not have otherwise been able to get or receive. So this is what people refer to when they talk about micro-lending? Yes, okay. yes. Specifically because, at least with Kiva, most of their loans are $10,000 or less. Okay. So what is the main thing that sets them apart from standard loans other than the size? With Kiva, it's not necessarily you're not getting your credit run and then getting based purely on your business credit. It's actually done by your character. So they like to see what type of online presence that you have. Do people support you um, by, you know, your your tweets or your followers? Um, who does your network say that you are? Are you worth giving money to because you're going to pay back? Um, so that's how they basically review you to see if you would be able to qualify for a loan. Okay, so let me see if I can go through this correctly. People, other people put money into Kiva, and Kiva gives out these loans to deserving people. Correct. It, Kiva is basically the platform. Okay. So Kiva, so basically the loans go, someone applies for a loan, their information is put online, and I can kind of give you a better breakdown of how the process works, but then p- people lend directly to the borrower, to the person who's applied for the loan, and then when the borrower repays, that money goes back to the lender. So Kiva is not necessarily providing the money either way. They're really just that platform for people to be able to see these entrepreneurs and to, and to give to them. Okay, so how dramatically different then is this from uh, when I see someone post online, for instance, uh, you know, I, I was in a car accident, you know, I have medical bills, and they set up a GoFundMe page. Yes, and that I've, I'm learning about that as well because it's not necessarily donors. It's not really donations. It's actually lending money that you will get repaid. And okay. so that's kind of the beauty in some ways is that you have a whole community coming around you and saying, hey, yeah, I believe in what you're doing, even if I don't know you. You know, there might be a, someone in Chattanooga who's funded by, you know, someone in Brazil. And so they can give as part of their loan. So not necessarily donating, like a GoFundMe um, or even a Kickstarter necessarily gets you a product back. This is purely giving because you believe in what they're doing. Okay. But you will get money back. Who can apply for a Kiva loan? So anyone over the age of 18 can apply, and as long as you have a business idea. So really, the biggest thing with Kiva, they believe um, that dreams are universal and that opportunity is not. And so how can that provide people this opportunity to have their dreams fulfilled? Okay. Um, low interest? So in the States, so I, I think I mentioned that Kiva is international. Mm-hmm. In the States, it's a 0% interest loan. So it's literally, you know, you're not paying interest on it. You will have a timing depending on the how large a loan is and how many months. Um, so you do have a time frame that you have to pay back, but it's without interest. Why would someone lend on Kiva? That's the part that's so interesting to me um, because really, like I said, you could be in a foreign country and see someone's project and their business and think, oh, this is interesting. Um, it's really the community part of it. I think that you <laughs> you see these people, you see that say they're 
you know, the way the Kiva platform works is you can see, say you see Katie from Chattanooga and she has um, her incredible bubble maker that she's doing and she has 3000 left to fund, then you can be part of that and you can help her reach her goal and her impact that she's going to have for school age children with her bubble maker. Um, so there's just really a part of it. I, as I've told people that I'm with Kiva in Chattanooga, they're like, oh, I give one Kiva. Um, so there's just a part, I think, that everyone is in it together, that, that everyone really loves. Well, why did Kiva choose Chattanooga as one of their U.S. launch cities? That's a great question. So Chattanooga has actually had some Kiva bars since 2014. Uh, launch Chattanooga has actually been a trustee um, with Kiva. And so being a trustee basically means that they know people in their community that are interested. They're going to endorse them, speak for them. And um, so there's already been Kiva bars. And because of launch Chattanooga's incredible, you know, interest and just basically caring for these people, Kiva wanted to see what other entrepreneurs are in Chattanooga. I think we're known, you know, for our innovation, for our technology, for entrepreneurship. Um, and so because of Launch Chattanooga and the other communities, we've had a lot of other people in the city, um, other folks with foundations that are interested. And so that's why I believe they decided, let's make Chattanooga an official city. Let's bring the program up together um, and join all these partners. Tell us more about Kiva and Will This Float. Yes, we're super excited. Um, so Will This Float, which is the Monday night of Startup Week, um, the 20, so it's October 22nd at 6 p.m., um, that is going to be our kickoff event for Kiva. So really trying to share with Chattanoogans what Kiva is and who the people are that are on Kiva. So we're going to have six Kiva bars who will pitch their ideas, their business. Um, and it, the, the point is that people can, in the audience, immediately lend to them. So they can say, you know, here I am, Katie, here's my bubble maker. Um, and then people were going to have computers set up. So we've got both people who can show what it means to borrow the money and then that you can lend immediately and show your impact. Um, there's going to be prizes. There will still be the same kind of setup as far as Will This Float has been in the past with pitches and prizes and impact in that way with connections to CoLab. Um, but we're excited basically just to kick off Kiva and show both who can apply and who can give. Do you know what sorts of projects you, th you think are going to show up there? Well, I am looking for really anyone. It could be consumer. It could be, um, you know, the food industry, a lot of farmers around Kiva. Um, what I'm most excited about Kiva is reaching entrepreneurs that might not be in your typical trendy areas that you're seeing a lot of names of. So, um, so I don't know. I've, the people I've spoken with so far um, have, you know, either like a specific product that they're bringing to market or they are in the food industry, um, you know, or in the healthcare industry. So I think we're going to have, you know, a myriad of folks who are going to be part of it. So there's really no limit to the type of business you could fund through Kiva? No, uh, no. I think we're learning probably what Chattanooga is most interested in um, and who's out there because we're like, you know, really wanting to get different people to apply um, and become Kiva borrowers and then also get a diverse group of lenders who can also be part of it. Okay. Uh, where can people go to get more information? Come see me at CoLab. That's the easiest way. Um, or you could email me, which my email is katie, K-A-T-I-E, at colab.co. 
you can actually go to the Kiva website, um, which is actually on Colab's website. So it's colab.co backslash Kiva, and that's spelled K-I-V-A. Um, or just let you guys know. We're happy to speak with anyone about it. Awesome. Thank you for being here, Kate. You're welcome. Anytime. That's going to do it for the show today. Join us next time when we'll be taking a little bit more of a serious turn and looking at re-entry programs. Chattanooga Works is a production of the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce. It's hosted by me, Jeremy Henderson, and Christy Gillenwater. Production and music by Eric Lissica. Our executive producer is Sybil Topol with editorial assistance from Amanda Ellis. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, work at Chattanooga. Chattanooga.